Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Matthew Stibb, the CEO at Articulate Marketing, a UK marketing agency. Now, we're talking about remote working, attitudes towards work, and can we be creative away from the office? Thanks for downloading. Now, remote working has been the hot topic for the last couple of years. Some folks love it, others hate it. Some people want to do a little bit of both, that hybrid thing. If you're running a marketing agency, how do you kind of manage all of this? Well, in this episode, I'm talking to Matthew Stibb, the CEO at Articulate Marketing. They're a UK marketing agency who embrace remote working. So we're going to be talking about attitudes to work, if we can be creative when we're away from the office, and how we can stay productive as well. Uh, Matthew offers up a huge amount of insight driven from the experience of running a remote agency. Now, you can find Matthew on LinkedIn and also on his blog, which is geekboss.com. That's geekboss.com. Plus, check out the Articulate Marketing website at articulatemarketing.com. Dot com. Now, can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free. Uh, love it if you could uh, give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe as well via your favourite podcast app. Uh, check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Matthew was if he thought remote working was pretty much here to stay now. Very much so. And of course, I, as as we've discussed, I've been remote working for 20 odd years and Mm. and believe in it very much I started articulate marketing started remote working before it was fashionable Um, but that was out of a really strong conviction that it was a very uh, productive very uh, good way of working for the right people the right companies and I think that is still true on you know as we are coming out I hope from the other side of the coronavirus pandemic that forced a change on businesses that I think was coming anyway. Yeah. But I think what's probably going to be different um, going forward is, um, first of all, everyone's had now a crash course and training in doing it. So we're past the Zoom and Slack stage, perhaps. Um, There's more openness to it. I think good, responsible, effective managers are no longer feel like they have to be able to see their employees or their colleagues to know they're working. Sure. and I think people have come to expect it or desire it. And so for, I think, a much larger proportion of the working population, it will be you know, a common occurrence. Uh, and for some larger proportion um, uh, at, than before, it will be the norm. I think people will be working f- three, four, five days a week from home or from remote, working remotely. Um, there are so many business reasons to do it. Yeah. I th- I, I'm like you. I've, I've spent almost probably 30 years remote working without really knowing I've been remote working at the end of the day. I've just done it. It's just I've just worked from home because because I can. Uh, I think there's the practical aspects of it as well. I was talking to a friend of mine oh, ages and ages ago who said that they've actually saved themselves an £8,000 a year train season ticket uh, traveling into London each day because they can now work from home. I mean, that's a that's a big, big thing to save, isn't it? Not only the money, but also the hour and a half each way commute. That's three hours of your day back, isn't it? I, I think that time freedom is mm. is for individuals the huge benefit, but that has a benefit also for their employers because 
even if they even if people don't work those extra hours you know they don't gift that time to the company that they're more refreshed they're more relaxed they're less stressed yeah. they haven't had to sit or stand on a train for a couple of hours they haven't jostled about um so for sure and i, I think I, 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 as we talk about this, I'd like to just dive into a little bit of a, a definition or a naming of parts for this, yeah, because sure. I think there are several different concepts that are rolled together in the idea of remote working or sure. working from home. Um, the first one is there's, there is a, an overlap, but there is also a difference between freelancers and independent contractors who don't sure. have an office and don't belong to a, a larger organization. And that has some similarities. And in, in the past, I've been that, and I suspect perhaps you have been that, where you know you're, you, you do work remotely, but it's just because you're a company of one or a company yeah. of two or something like that. So that's one separation or difference I'd like to, to make. Another one that I think is really interesting to explore is the difference between how can I put it? Working from home, working remotely, and then working f flexibly, and sure. then working in far-flung and remote places. Yes. Um, and sometimes, and I think this was much more the case before the pandemic, when you say we work remotely, the perception of people, some people when they hear that is, oh, right, that means I can go and sit on a beach in Thailand and work there. <laughs> yeah. Or... You know, I can be a, a digital nomad and live in my caravan with a satellite dish on the roof and work, you know, drive around America and work. Yeah. And those things are sort of true, but they're not true for the vast majority of people who work remotely. No. And another variant of that is, and we've had this experience of this at Articulate, the, the blurring of the line between working remotely and working flexibly. So... For example, we do both of those things. We don't have an office at Articulate and we allow a, a very great degree of flexibility about when people work. Sure. But it is, doesn't automatically mean that if you work remotely, you work, you know, two o'clock to four o'clock on a Tuesday and then maybe a bit of Wednesday and all day Sunday. It, it, you know, it, th yeah. th that flexibility is often in part and parcel of it, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it, it does depend on the job. But do you think we need to change our attitudes towards work um, to make remote work kind of work? Oh, yes. This has been very much our experience. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I spent quite a lot of time coaching and supporting friends and, and, and business partners who are suddenly having to make the transition. So there's different stages of remote working consciousness, mm. if you like. And stage one is, oh, right, everyone has to work remotely. We'd better get Zoom. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've all gone through that experience. Well, we used to use, um, you know, that before the pandemic, but now everyone's sort of sitting in Zoom meetings all yeah. day. Um, and then, okay, we're going to do teamwork. So we're going to get Slack or yeah. Microsoft Teams. So now we do live chats. So we're really switched on and, and modern. And uh, that buying the tools is necessary, but it's not sufficient, right? It's like buying trainers and a T-shirt and thinking you can run a marathon. It, you need those things, but they don't make you qualified. So stage two of remote working advanced consciousness is changing the relationship of of teams with mm. with inside teams and between individuals and their managers so that for example managers stop feeling that they have to watch people's hands to know they're working and yeah. I, I use that metaphor very specifically yeah i know i mean certainly in in the marketing world and mike's my, my career as a marketer i don't need to see a designer 
you know, moving their pen. I don't need to see a writer writing sure. copy to know that they're good or bad at their job or to give them a brief or to, you know, have them collaborate and get work done for a client. And yet the idea that you, you kind of need to be able to see people in an office to make, them, make sure they're working, it's sort of rather demeaning, actually. It is, so yeah. So that, uh, that yeah, relationship yeah. needs to adjust. I think there's, sorry, there's one, one other little thought. Yeah, sure. That. There's a, a, something that needs to happen from the, the other side where I think individuals, uh, individual um, contributors and workers, employees, need to sort of slightly adjust their attitude to work as well. I think I think yeah. this is a, a, in the in the trend of modern management and modern motivation and psychology. You 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 need to there's a sort of a degree of autonomy and self-management and self-motivation and and proactive career development and self-training and you know fundamentally good work discipline that is required to make remote working work. But it's the same broadly the same set of skills that makes make people successful in a career if they go into an office too so there it doesn't need to be learned and it doesn't need to be applied in a slightly different way with remote working but both managers and team members and employees need to just sort of reconsider their relationships in this new context um one th final thought on this and then hmm. I'll, I'll yield the floor and you can ask me another question <laughs> yeah. um I think it's really important for companies to switch from measuring time and inputs, yeah. right? Attendance, yeah. timesheets, hours yeah. delivered, and switch from that to measuring outputs and results yeah. and quality and competence and in th those sorts of behaviours. Um, so in Articulate, for example, we do not do timesheets. I mean, I think timesheets are, you know, largely BS. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we have a, a point system and we the common items of work are, um, um, you know, it's a, there's a standard number of points for the, most of the things that we do. And that, that, that means that we're measuring productivity and utilisation and so on 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 something much more objective, something much more measurable, something that delivers value for our clients rather than, you know, it took me 20 hours to write this blog post. Great, we can bill for 20 yeah. hours, but actually if it, sh if it should have taken you four hours, yeah. that's woefully inefficient and the timesheet is is rewarding and incentivizing the wrong thing. Yes, yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you can spend all day at your desk in an office and get nothing done, can't you? Just like you can do the same at home you can get nothing done all day if you want to that the skill is being able to motivate yourself to do something absolutely motivation i think is very important and so this brings us on to a, a, a slightly the third stage of remote working consciousness and perhaps the highest level that i've observed anyway there may be yeah. a level four but who knows yeah. um and i think this comes into two things it, it touches on leadership and it touches on company culture um and i think leaders and you know this is a, an aspiration for me i don't claim to perform this well all the time have have a job or to create you know a safe working place psychologically safe for people to do great work to recognize and you know put the right systems in place to recognize good work and to recognize high performance and so on and to try and steer the company and the culture in the direction that is going to be very effective working remotely mm. so company culture is also really important and one of the things that we have at articulate a couple of things we do we have a kind of an employee culture code this is how we behave in meetings yeah. this is how we communicate on slack this is how we 
you know, clean as we cook and various things like that, just to say, you know, this is this is what it means to, to work and articulate. Now, you'd have the same thing in an office, but you'd observe it and it would just be inherent. But with remote working, you have to kind of collate it and, and embrace it and lean into it and share it. Yeah. Um, and we have a chief happiness officer. So we spend a lot of time thinking actively and consciously about our culture and, and working on it together as a company and as a management team. And I think I think culture and leadership is how you get remote working to really really work yeah do you think a lot of it comes down to trust as well and trusting the people that you hire to do the job and if you don't trust the person that you're hiring to do the job to do the job then maybe it's a problem of recruitment and you're not hiring the right people well yes trust i think is Mm. is fundamental and but trust is earned in in earned in small increments and lost in big increments yeah um, See, so it's very easy to do things that very quickly corrode trust and you have to do an awful lot of work to earn it. It's like a bank account. Um, I'll I come on to recruitment in a minute, but I, I want to talk a little bit about one of the ways that you build psychological safety and trust mm. and one of the ways we try to do it. So I, I have a pilot's license. I don't fly very, um, these mm. days, but I, I trained and, and flew a, a lot in, in the last couple of decades. Um, one of the things that they do in aviation safety is they have a thing called a just culture. And what that means is when something goes wrong, they are not trying to pin blame on someone, however psychologically satisfying sure. it is to go, yeah. it's their fault. Yeah. Uh, what they try to do is, without pinning blame and without assigning blame, try to understand what happened so that they can prevent it happening again. Sure. And if you can build a just culture, um, and, and it has a particular legal meaning, but if you can build a just culture in, in into an organization and people feel that they can own up to mistakes or they can, we have a, a process called round tabling, they can round table and debrief and understand, you know, when something goes wrong and what they can do about it, that it doesn't give people permission to make more mistakes. What it does is it gives them permission to learn from them and not repeat them. Yeah. Um, just culture does not mean allowing gross negligence and it doesn't mean allowing sort of willful incompetence or willful bad behavior. It's it's when a- a- mistakes are made in good faith and you are trying to learn from them. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think um, I think you mentioned culture culture before I think the culture of it is is about I still speak to some CEOs who I think to myself are, are stuck in the 70s and the 80s and and they come from a default position of just not trusting anybody to do their jobs so they have to micromanage at every level because their default position is I don't trust anybody and any anyone and that's all for well, culture and I can sort of relate uh, at a tangent to that because I'm a very geeky hands-on entrepreneurial control freak so (laughs) i think in some cases that sort of unwillingness to trust comes from that place in some cases in some larger companies i've seen the culture reward people who are very control controlling and micromanaging and you know they run their staff around and make them work harder but that 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 so as a manager, as a leader, one of my missions is to try to kind of very co- consciously stop doing that yes. and understand the psychological motivation. It's, it's not that it's, it's easy. Um, and I think in, in larger companies, 
in, in, in organizations where that behavior is happening, that micromanagement is happening. Micromanagement is like a red flag. Why is it occurring? Are people not well trained enough? Are they not trusted enough? I mean, nobody hires somebody thinking they're going to do a crappy job and they need micromanaging well, and no. they need the handholding. Sure. You hire them because you think they're going to be awesome employees. So yeah. something happens between the day someone starts and the day they start getting micromanaged. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, unless you're just, yeah, I think some CEOs, old-fashioned ones, I think, sometimes just look at, at, at everything as disposable as a number, as a thing on a spreadsheet as well. Um, I've come across a few of those, but um, we could have another conversation about that. Um, <laughs> yes. it's, I think, uh, do you think the tools that we use are are the right tools, um, the software we use to kind of like collaborate with and, and chat with and that? Because... Uh, the reason I ask is is that I do a little bit of productivity training, particularly for marketing agencies. And and one of the slides I show uh, is uh, product, the productivity curve in the UK over the last 35 years. And it's very similar to the one in the US, Okay, where from sort of like the 1980s up until 2008, when the financial crisis hit, we were working on sort of like around 10 to 15 percent increase growth in productivity each year. So most of the time it's around 12 percent. And then the 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 financial crisis hit, uh, which obviously took a big hit in productivity, which it would. It was a big recession. But then since then. That the last 10 years, the 2010 to 2020, productivity has sat at around 4%, 5% growth. Very low. And that is exactly the same type of, the same period of time that we've had smartphones, that we've had Google Docs, that we've had Microsoft Office 365, that we've had Teams, that we've had Slack, that we've had Skype, that we've had all these tools. Mm. They have all been introduced within the last 10 years and our productivity is low. Do you think that plays a role in it at all? That's an interesting correlation. Hmm. Um, there are. Well, let, 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 let's tackle the historical argument and then let's tackle the distraction culture. Um, there's a really interesting article called "IT Doesn't Matter" by Nicholas Carr, and it it was published quite a few years ago in Harvard Business Review. Yeah. And he made the argument that in the eighties when productivity was increasing, everyone was yeah. ad adopting PCs and they were, you know, spreadsheets and web processes. Yeah. And so moving from one medium of work to a digital medium of work produced some uh, benefits. And at, in, as that revolution was happening, choosing the right technology, the right word processor, being early to that party or not late, and for larger companies deploying an ERP or a CRM system or, you know, doing digitizing your business processes. Mm had a disproportionate a competitive advantage. But once everybody had PCs, that competitive advantage disappeared. Now, I, I suspect there is an argument that says that the productivity growth in the 80s, um, and perhaps macroeconomically in the early 90s, was, was more structural than to yes. do with the distraction. And what we've done is reverted perhaps back to, you know, other factors of productivity being influential like yeah. training like um the way teams are managed for example there's a lot of research about uh, as i'm sure you've come across where you know american run firms in the uk outperform in many cases sure. firms run by english people yeah. why that's the same workforce it's the same climate you know um and and it's often management technique so i think i think coming on to the, your second point about the distraction culture i i 
we we definitely live in an economy that is driven by you know buying people's attention or grabbing yeah. people's attention and selling it to advertisers yeah. and every app wants to ping you all the time to get you to spend time in the app so there is there is a need for some self-discipline and there is a need for some sort of cult, um, technological calming yeah. you know distraction-free editors and switching off notifications and focus on work periods and you know all of that um, flow idea about kind of being able to concentrate and I, I certainly recognize all of that um, I, at the same time I think this is my personal feeling um, we are at the beginning of of another period of, of, of dramatic change with technology and I think mm. companies that harness the right technology in the right way can actually get a competitive advantage in you know in a sort of Nicholas Carr IT does matter sense um, and companies that don't won't so you know I'm I'm seeing for example in our agency we use Notion a lot sure and the the ability to very quickly build client extranets wikis share information collaboratively yeah. work on documents you know it, a lot of the stuff in there is very familiar from other tools it's not there's anything particular a few interesting radical things but there's nothing yeah. particularly novel in it but just somehow the way that it's been delivered and the way that we have built social capital social kind of usage around it so i think i think there are there there are lots of opportunities i think there are ways for people to bring back their focus um and the way to get the most from the technology, I think, lies in having quite a sort of agile, flexible approach to technology. The thing you sure. use this year may not be the thing you use next year. And if everyone in the company is willing to change and embrace change and, you know, as long as you pick the right tools and you go through a rigorous process, it doesn't matter if we're not using Notion next year as long as we're using something better. Yeah, yeah, I think you could be right. I think um I mean the, the Slack website, I think they they brag about the fact that the average person is connected for 9 plus hours a day. Um and that just screams a productivity nightmare that does because the the psychology behind it is kind of like with all of Teams and Slack and all the instant messengers is is that very word instant messenger. It's an instant messenger and it's live chat live being the word and that i think psychologically puts in puts it into your head that you've got to reply now <laughs> so when it goes ping it's got to. but but you don't have to there are no there are it, simple rules that you can apply to yeah. slack like switching off notifications when you're yeah. working on something yeah. like using the saved message thing just to batch up your messages without losing track of them and reply to them later like email um and I think I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not completely sold on Slack, sort of out of the box for the reasons we're dis we're discussing. But I think if you change the way you use it, it can be a very yes. productive tool. And the, I think the big productivity gain actually comes from not having to write long formal emails and yeah. you know being able to have a quick chat and then escalate it to a call and then you know video conference and solve the problem. It it does replicate that that experience of just being in an office and knocking on someone's door and going, I've got this thing, what do you think? And then having a little chat about it and then solving yeah. it quickly. But 
if you just use it as it comes out of the box with all the notifications switched on and you're connected yeah. nine hours a day, yeah. no, that's a horrible nightmare. And it's a, it's a nightmare that we are all struggling with. Yeah. We're all on call. I mean, you know, I was getting client messages last night at nine o'clock to yeah. deal with something. And, you know, you, you, you certainly feel obligated to resolve things urgently if they're urgent. But yeah. it should be rare, not normal. Yeah, I think there is a psychological thing. I was, there was a study, I think it was done by the University of Berlin, Basically, that said that when you get into your zone, when you get into that, what they call, I suppose, deep work stage, where you're actually flowing and you're, you're, you're working really comfortably and really well and your work is good quality, then as soon as something goes ping and you look at it, it takes you 20 minutes to get back into that zone again. Yes. Well, the, but here's an interesting thing, because that concept of flow um, is has been around for quite a long time. Yeah. I remember in the 90s when I was running um, a computer software business, reading a book um gosh called software complete by mm. somebody mcconnell and he talking about productivity in software teams and also the very very marvelous book which i'd recommend to everyone called peopleware by lister and demarco um and they were say they were complaining in the 80s and 90s when these books were being <laughs> written Every time somebody in an office does a page on the phones, you know, will Matthew yeah. pick up the phone? Will Matthew, you know, which happened in offices in the 80s yeah, yeah. and 90s. Yeah. They were saying that, you know, as exactly what you said, everybody's productivity was hit for 15 or 20 minutes while they yeah. kind of got back into that flow state. So the, the mechanism of disruption hasn't changed. Uh, sorry, has changed. But yeah. the, sorry, the mechanism hasn't changed, but the actual things that are doing the interruption, whether Same. it's your desk phone and the, somebody paging or your you know, instant messenger, the answer is the same. In, yeah. in Lister and DeMarco, he said people should work in two-person offices so they have a little bit of community, but they can shut the door and have peace sure. and quiet. And they should put their phone on silent. Well, what do you do now? Yeah. You work yeah. from home, you work in a quieter place, you put your headphones on and you put your phone on silent. It, yeah. it, it comes back to, and it's easy to say this because we, we all know what it's like to be distracted. And goodness me, I have this all, my, yeah. all the time. But it's not a fight that we have to give up and lose. No, no. Um, so moving on a little bit to creativity, I think, because one of the things I, I hear from particularly marketing agencies, and you, you obviously run a marketing agency, is, is the fact that working remotely and people in different places, and we're not all together, it stifles creativity. We can't bounce ideas anymore. Now, I don't believe that myself. What, 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 what's your, your opinion on that? I don't believe that either, mm. but the channels through which creativity run are a little different. Yeah. Um, and I think when making the switch to remote working, if you're used to working in office, this is probably the area where creative businesses need to pay the most attention at first. Over-communication and extra planning are essential to keep the creativity. So we find that when we're running creative workshops with clients or internally, we spend a lot more time preparing document templates, agendas, sending yeah. videos in advance saying, can you just watch this and think about it so that you come to the, the meeting in the right frame of mind? And this is what we're going to want to talk about. And here is the mechanism that we're going to use to talk, to have the conversation. Um, it does raise the stakes for the pe person who's running those meetings and who's chairing them. And, that, you know, that's a skill that we have to learn to do it mm -hmm. well. Um, the tools can help. Um, we find we use whimsical, which is one of those sort of drag boxes around collaborative yeah. whiteboarding thing, and we use actually a lot of lot of time notion in, in conference calls to real time collaborate. 
And one of the interesting things that we've seen uh, evolve actually in the last couple of years as we've been doing, as the agency has grown and we've been thinking about this in a more kind of considered way, is, and this is going to sound very odd, if we're talking about creative collaborative meetings with large groups of people, one of the things that we introduced and do often now is we'll ask a question and say to everybody, can you take five or 10 minutes quietly to reflect on this and make some notes for yourself so that we're not asking the, the loudest person or the most opinionated person or the best prepared person to come up with the creativity. We're making little spaces in the meeting for people to be creative and then coming back into it as a plenary group and sharing all of our ideas. That has the, I, I think, has the benefit of, of making space for creativity very consciously and also allowing everybody a voice, an equal voice when the information, the ideas are shared, um, which, which can be very hard remotely. I think one of the, the most difficult things is when you've got, say, five or six people on a call and one of them is, you know, sitting in the back, mm. not really in a shy way, not really contributing or sitting in the back doing their email because they're stressed and busy. Yeah. But if everyone has to contribute and everyone has to think and there's time to think and you're going to call on everyone in a nice structured way, in a friendly way, that can be a very powerful tool. And it sounds, sounds like I'm probably making a bigger deal of it than it deserves, but yeah. I, I found that to be very helpful. Um, the, the other thing around creativity, I was thinking about this this morning, is you do need a bit of um, money in the relationship bank account with your colleagues. Sure. And there is a need somewhere to have some social stuff. And I know everybody's been doing sort of, you know, Zoom happy half hours and things, yeah, and yeah. that's all okay, fine, do yeah. that. We're very, very keen to go back to what we used to do before the pandemic, which was meet as a whole company yeah. three or four times a year. Yes, we would be doing work together, training, workshopping, brainstorming. But it, it was actually the sort of the conversations and the relationship building that happened over lunch or in the evening that was very valuable. Um, and that allows people then to to have, you know, have more candid, more creative, more vulnerable conversations with one another, knowing that they're, they're safe to do that. Mm. Um, so I think I think that's that's an, something that we, we desperately want to get back to. Um, yeah. And one last thought on this creativity thing while I, while I'm a great advocate of structured brainstorming structured collaboration well-chaired meetings and, and and the tools that facilitate that I know my especially my design colleagues writing's very solitary business you know you sit in a dark yeah. room with a cold flannel on your head and try and confront yeah. the blank page but designers seem to work more collaboratively and they will sit with a team's video conference window open um, and, and some of them have their camera sort of on their side, so they're not staring into it. And they'll, they, they'll happily sit there for two or three hours, barely exchanging a word, but occasionally going, oh, what about this and how about that? And, and that sort of replicates that, that rather informal ad hoc sitting next to somebody in a positive way, in that sort of a way of, you know, you're working on the same project together and you have the ability to very quickly get an input or share yeah. a thought or get feedback. So again, this isn't, a new idea, but I, I offer that as, as a way of enhancing collaboration. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I quite like about remote work uh, is that I think it does give us a little bit more time to think in a way as well. If we were in a meeting at our meeting, we knew our meeting had to last half an hour and we, we're coming up with an idea for a client for a, some sort of campaign or something, whatever it is, um, that we we got to come up with that in half an hour. Okay, because that's how long the meeting's going to last. Whereas when you're doing this through messenger messages, when you're doing it remotely, it it does give you a little bit more time to be able to sit back and think about it before you reply, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. But it also means you're juggling more things. Um, mm. So you're context switching and context switching is, is, is a barrier to productivity. Sure. Um, it, it can be a, a, a benefit to creativity because a lot of creativity happens at the boundaries between two separate, unre- apparently unrelated ideas. But um, I, I, I think one of the things that I've noticed as well, we, because we've always been remote working and we, we, we've pioneered for ourselves this, this approach, before the pandemic, we we definitely attracted quite a lot of I would say relatively shy people to work in the agency. Very yeah. very very clever, very brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly creative, um, and they quite like what you describe the ability to see a message or a question on Slack or you know on Notion, go away and think about it. Yeah. Quite often, because we're mostly writers here, quite often they will go away and write something. Yeah. And share it and go. What do you think about this? And then we can comment and share and that. That for for the, the the probably the half of the company that is likes to think things through before they speak. A very comfortable way of working. I, I'm a bit like that, but mostly I like to talk. So I have, yes. you know, I'm 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 learning to. Um, yeah. Well, I t- can I tell you a, a funny little personal story? Yeah, sure, go um, for it. Yeah. M- when I was growing up, my um, dear grandmother was elected chairman of the local golf club and she was a a very wonderful but quite understated shy person at the same time a friend of another friend of the family um was a a retired general you know and who was very loud and boisterous yeah so my granny signed up for um public speaking lessons yeah and went to the first lesson and there was brigadier horton sitting next to her at this public speaking and, yeah. and, and and she turned around to him and said, well, I know why I'm here, because I need to learn to speak up. I'm very shy. Why Why on earth are you here? You know, you've been in the army yeah. your whole career. He said, yes, but I'm here to tone things down. I need to speak quieter and be less forceful. Yeah. And I, I, I think of that. So, so sometimes I'm I'm the, <laughs> the brigadier general and sometimes I'm my granny. Yeah. Um, and we have to sort of learn to juggle those roles a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is fascinating. I chat for ages and ages about all of this. I really could because I'm, I'm fascinated with this whole, whole world of remote work and, and how it fits into everything. Um, where can we... We find you, Matthew. Where's your website and your social media bits? Well, in the sort of thinking about management and and uh, there's a little bit about remote working. Go check out my blog at geekboss.com. Cool. Um, that's really where I write my personal reflections about things, and I've I've written a, a very long article there about remote working, and I, I think that's that would be worth looking at. There's also a video I made about change management which i think is sure. very relevant for people making the switch um with my marketing hat on and you know if you forgive me for shilling for a second no, um, no. i'm ceo at articulate marketing and we are online at articulatemarketing.com um and on the blog there there's 
quite a lot of maybe a lot of marketing content, but there's quite a lot of information or reporting about our culture and our way of working and remote working practices and how we do things like the, how how we run the Chief Happiness Officer program and how sure. we do training and development and our B Corp work and things like that. So between those two sites, there there's there's quite a lot more about about all the things I've been talking yeah. about this morning. Fantastic. Brilliant. I'll put links in the show notes so folks can just tap away and, and visit those sites, no problem. Uh, Matthew, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation and it's nice to reflect on all of this stuff at a bit of a distance. So thank you yes. very much for having me. Thanks again to Matthew for his time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google. It's everywhere. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening.